Thank you for leading that, Leanne. And I love that, isn't it? Trying to take, let me give her a hand. And, and those are involved doing it. I think it, it just, it's tangible ways that we're trying to express and, and live out our faith. I, great opportunity to do that. So hopefully you can sign up to see her in the back. And then she can kind of explain, now, how do I do this? Where do I get the food? I buy it. And then the kits, and she, she'll explain all that to you today. Well, we're continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago. I think we're in week four called Mind Over Matters. And we kind of identified, you know, through this pandemic that there's another levels of, there's physical issues, but also that it's done a, a number on us mentally and psychologically. And I made the disclaimer the last few weeks is this, is like, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a pastor, okay? So I'm gonna focus, the, our primary source is gonna be scripture, which at the end of the day, that's where we should go to. But I don't wanna ignore that there's great advice from well-written and, really a lot smarter people than, than I am. So we will refer to that at times as we're doing this. But also if known that mental illness is an illness. And so yes, prayer matters and getting God's word matters and basics as followers of Christ. But also sometimes people do need extra help, you know, professional help. And so if you know someone or yourself going, I'm not just having a bad day, it's really bad. We would love to defer you towards some resources to help you get the help that you need. But the reality is, it really all starts with our mind. What we do in our life, what we say, what we, last week we talked about our perspective of life always goes back to our thinking. And you've experienced this is when you're having really positive thoughts, life goes pretty good. It doesn't mean that problems go away. It's your perspective of those problems. You look at yourself differently. You look at others differently. You look at God differently. When you think positively, then life is, seems to be more like a gift. Even though there's challenges at the end of the day going, this was a good day. A good day getting through challenges, a good day seeing God work, and we have a positive look at life. If we're looking at everything through a negative lens that we talked about last week, everything's negative, isn't it? And, and there could be good things in it, but you'll see the bad and the good in and, and your life and others' lives and, and, and even God and what God's done. And so life, life is actually a burden that goes on. And, and I find myself like, daily consciously thinking about this and I feel like I've made some improvement in this way and I hope this is kind of the, the, the kind of the crux of the series is to think about your thinking this series is really about awareness aware of your thoughts and like why am I thinking this way and how and with that then you could able to take some steps toward and the steps are toward the Lord to help us deal with it but they they've done studies they found that 80 percent of a person's thought what they're thinking about has been negative. That's kind of depressing. That's negative to even think about that, right? That's a, but, it, but it's interesting to think of 80% of what you, we, what you dwell upon. You're thinking, why is that? Well, I think we will go biblically. We will go theologically the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful, broken world. The first bite of the, the forbidden fruit centered the, the, the world and it brought the curse of sin. And what did it bring? It brought negativity. It brought selfishness. And it, it's, it's just the way it is. And all through history, we see people trying to get away from it, but yet are dragged at, back down by sin and selfishness. It really wasn't until the cross that Jesus broke the curse of of sin, but he broke the curse of selfishness. And, and we're going to take some time in your chairs here. You notice there's, there's communion. Uh, don't sit on it. That would be bad. Uh, uh, so, and it's available for you as well online. You don't have this 
to, to tangibly do, but I encourage you, just, you know, a little while, we're going to be doing communion, so you might want to grab some crackers and juice or toast or coffee, whatever you got there, to do communion with us here at the end. But we're going to take some time to remember what Christ has done and what he has accomplished in our own hearts. That we've been transformed. That we've been set free. We've been cleansed of our sin. It's awesome, right? It instantly happens when you become a follower of Jesus. And this, as we talked last week, this regeneration work, the old is gone, the new has come, and this new life in Christ. But on top of that, as much as that's true, you and I still live in a fallen, sinful, broken world you don't need to be reminded of that. You don't need to be reminded of the fact that you have made mistakes along the lines. Things you didn't want to do, you did. Things you did out of rebellion, out of, out of you're going, I, I'm still caught up in what I'm doing. And it's, that is the human condition that we live in. And so it's a, it's a process of transformation. And we've been emphasizing the step toward that is repentance. Repentance is a kind of a churchy word, but it literally means the changing of one's mind. So when you go to the Lord and you say, I'm sorry, what you're also asking, Lord, change my mind. Change, if I can change the direction of where I'm going with my mind, guess what? It changes the direction of my life. When I've found, as following Jesus, that being a Christian is the idea of being Christ-like, it's a lifelong journey that we're on, Right? Paul, the apostle, writes many times throughout, we read, and we'll even hit it this morning, is the goal is to have the mind of Christ, to think like Jesus. And that's hard to do. It's difficult to do, but it's important that we think about our minds and what we're thinking because life, really, if you think about your life, it really goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It, it, that's why it's so important we're taking time to talk about this. But I have thought of all these years as following Jesus, I some, many times default back to what I call just a me-first mentality. And, you know, a lot of it had to do was I was an only child. Is there any, any only child in here? You're, you're, okay, you relate with me, I know, uh, with this fact, this here's you, and then the, here's the whole world going around, right? And, and, and it's not that we... we it's just we default to that, okay? I grew up, my, my only, as an only child, my mom would say, Danny, where do you want to go to eat? What do you want to do? I got a lot of choices. If you grew up in a big family, like I didn't get to choose anything. And, and yet, even if you are not an only child, you know that you, we can kind of get default back into this me first mentality. And in some ways, we've kind of been conditioned that way and just the, the life of competition, even, you know, you, if you are a big, had a big family, I mean, there was, a, there was a pecking order. There was, you know, who wants ice cream? What do we say? Me first, right? And then maybe you were the one dishing out the ice cream. You ever go out and you're like, there's one that's a slightly bigger bowl than the other one. You're like, here's yours, right? We just get, we do that, don't we? And you think you grow out of it, right? Me first, I gotta be in line. No, you cut. We do all that. Well, no, we, we really don't. It just keeps you more competitive, doesn't it? You know, making the team, making the first string on a, on a sport, you know, you know, 
beating out the person for the lead part in the play, you know, highest GPA, who's going to be valedictorian, you know, getting college and, you know, comp competition for scholarships. And then you get a, you know, you put a resume in a job and you beat out these other people. And, and, and it's just competition left and right. And then we live in this world of comparison all the time we compare. We, we size things up. And of course, back in the day, you know, you, you, really all we had to compare and comparison with shopping was the Sunday paper. Not too long ago, some of us over 40, you remember, we opened up the paper going, oh, ground round at Hagen or ground round at, at you know, at uh, Safeway. Which one's cheaper? That's all we had. Now we can instantly look up an app and, you know, compare. And, and we do that in our relationships too. We size people up and we get, you know, every, everything's kind of on TripAdvisor and Yelp, okay? And we live in this kind of world that's there that you, you, you were there, and, and, and I find even we went on a wonderful vacation, maybe a vacation of our life that we experienced, my wife and I, and so, but then I'm looking on, and like, oh, these people were at the same place we were. Oh, we didn't eat there. They, that's, where was that at? We didn't go there. We should have done that, and my wife's like, like, really? You're comparing yourself, your vacation with the other week, but we get caught up in that, and we continue to do that over time, and and what happens is, if we're not careful, we turn into little narcissists, don't we? You don't have to be an only child. It's just how society is. And not just a blame society, but we've been wired that way. There's this, within our sinful nature is there. So there's this fight against the me first mentality. And you need to know it's not God's plan for us. And you know that already because living in the me first mentality, you're always going to be in need. You're always going to be in the wanting. We're always wanting the newer, the faster, the greater. You know, it's that proverbial carrot. Have you ever caught the carrot? It's like that dang carrot. I could never quite grasp what it is. And it's because that we're always wanting a need and need and need and need. And, and so what do we do? Well, we need to think less of ourselves. Okay, and you're thinking, no, no, I'm not talking to be, you know, thinking less of yourselves in the sense you're not devaluing yourself, but we got to think of ourselves less. In fact, this is today's truth. Thinking selfless ultimately leads to true satisfaction. Thinking selfless actually leads to ultimately leads to true satisfaction. Because I have found the more I think of myself, the more I think about what I need and what I'm doing. And actually, there's this beautiful thing that Paul lays out in Scripture for us this morning that I want to unpack with us that's really helpful. And, and some of you would be familiar for you because you read it this week in our, in our Mind Over Matters reading guide. We actually provided some reading uh, selected scriptures for you through this series and that should be in your program if you're online you can grab it on, on under grow at our on our website at ctk uh, church uh, north bay and and look it over there's there's this pdf there's some great videos and some resources there that go with this but we just finished up philippians this morning if you if you got your morning reading in as i was able to do that before i came here and it i want to go to something we read a few days ago in chapter to a Philippians, but let me give you kind of some context with that. Paul, this is considered one of the prison letters. Paul wrote this from a Roman prison, okay? He, he had, if, if, if anybody was going to be self-absorbed and where you are, if you're in prison, you're, you're, you're going to be kind of focused in on, locked in there. And Paul was the opposite. He, he knew he needed to reach out to these churches. He's helped several churches get going. The church of Philippi was one of them. And he wanted to make sure and check in how they're doing. He'd hear reports back. 
And then he would then write letters back to them. And for some reason, he noticed that the, the church, he was hearing that there was a little bit, of, little bit of fighting. There was a little bit of maybe bickering. If you read chapter 4, I read this morning at the end, uh, he, Paul gets really directed to a couple women. He singles out a couple of these women, says, you two need to get along. <laughs> and and, and he, so it's very specific, but it's all in the context of building unity. And he does that simply in one one area that really is calling us, he's calling all of us towards. And so no matter what, what generation you live in, this is so timeless that he writes this for us this morning. He's given it, we have this to read this morning. He says this in verse 1, Therefore, if you have had any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any uh, com- common sharing in the spirit if any tenderness and compassion he's kind of saying man if you have a heart do you really love jesus here this is what i encourage you to he says this to make my joy complete again he's a pastor at heart he goes you know it's just like he's cared for these people to really bring joy to me it would really be good for you to do these things and what what does he say well he's he's kind of moving beyond just kind of self-preservation and me focus he says this by being like-minded there it is starts with the mind then he says this having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind there's this oneness there there's this unity here he's saying if you really want to get along if you really want to to be unified as a church if you really want to see your team and what you're doing or your marriage have unity or your family have unity i want you to do this one thing this one thing and it really comes down to what he says next. Can you read the next part with me? Listen, can we, could we read it out loud? In fact, if you're at home and you're watching, just no one's with you or someone's with you, just even if you're a few, just read it out loud as a family from where you're at. Let's read this together out loud. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do you see it? Do you see that the common, almost there's a common thread all through chapter two. And the common thread is selflessness. Not thinking of yourselves less of you, not thinking less of yourselves, but thinking yourselves less. If you're going to put thinking in, rather than putting on yourself, he says, rather, you're putting your focus on others. The moving from Self, me, you know, me mentality to this other mentality. That's hard to do. <laughs> Let's just face it. That's hard to do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. It, it's so opposite our culture. Like, no, I got to get ahead. Like, I, I, I mean, I've got to jump on this. I got to, I got to, you know, no, put everybody else ahead of you. Your own is, that is so hard to do. But that's the mindset he's calling us to. And we'll find is it actually leads to some really wonderful fulfillment and satisfaction in our lives. Well, how does that happen? It goes back, it always goes back to the source. So here it is. How do we do that? He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Same mindset, same, the same attitude of your mind, as we talked about last week. If you're, you have the King James Bible, it says this, let this mind be in you of that of Christ Jesus. 
to have the mind of Christ. In our attempt to get our mind over our matters, the way we do that is to be Christ-like in our thinking. And you know this already. To be Christ-like in our thinking, it starts with our mind, to be more like Jesus in our mind, and then be more like Jesus then in our attitude, because it affects what we're thinking about. And that leaves our, we have this attitude, leads to outlook. So I'm looking at life through a positive lens or through Christ's lens of the world and my life and whatever's going on. And that leads to my reaction to the life that I'm leaving. And, and with that's the relationships I have. And then pretty soon I'm reacting how, how Jesus would react in this situation and leads to then how I, what do I say in my body language toward my care toward someone. And it leads to my actions and what I do that leads to being Christ-like. It starts with the mind of Christ. That is the goal. But it's hard. It's hard to do. But Jesus really models to us that we're going to look at is selflessness. To think selfless that can ultimately lead to true satisfaction. And what Paul says here is very specific how to do that is the pathway is through humility. And what, would it, what did that look like? Well, this is what it says what Jesus did. Who, being the very nature God, so if you're ever looking for scripture that, that Jesus is God, there you go. Yet being what? Do not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Maybe your Bible says something to be grasped, trying to grab on life and hang on and push through and everything. It's completely opposite. In fact, when Jesus came to this earth, being fully God, he didn't use his God powers to his own advantage, did he? He, he didn't see anywhere, you know, you read and like, man, he had opposition, he had enemies, and you'd almost times you think if you're, if you're got the God powers, man, you're just like, I don't like those people, I'm going to do the Darth Vader, like, you know, death grip on him, choke or something, right? He didn't do any of that, he didn't use it, it was all for the greater good. Paul says, he goes further, he says, rather he did this, he made himself nothing, made himself nothing. Now, there's a little bit, if you study scripture, there's a little bit of debate about made himself nothing. In fact, another, you know, like a literal translation of that is he emptied himself. It's this, it's called the kenosis theory. And there was debate. I remember in, in my theology class, they're debating what, did God empty himself like he was no longer being God to become Jesus? Some have that view of that but it's really heretical. It's really on a very basic level because what Matthew said, God, God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus came God with us. And the way I kind of think about that is that just like a king comes and you know, leaves his throne or his palace and takes the crown off and the robe and then goes and puts on the clothes of a common man and, and serves in the community, kind of feels like what's really going on with his kingdom. That's what, that's what Jesus did. He, you, you know, the king didn't no longer stop being the king. He was always the king. He just, he just looked differently. He presented himself differently. There's a willingness of surrendering and posturing themselves, as Paul says next this, to be, by, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he, what did he do? Humbled himself. It was this willingness to humble himself. Jesus, all God, became all man. Listen, if anyone had the right to have a me-first mentality, Jesus did. But his attitude was not. It was modeling selflessness. If you're writing notes, you have them in your program there this morning. You could write this in. Is this, that selflessness is choosing to be humble, but with the right motive. Selflessness is choosing to be humble with the right motive. 
and as I'm fighting my me first mentality, one of the things I, I picked up a few years ago is uh, I've got a third place ribbon. Wait, that's a mask. Oh, here, this pocket. This third place ribbon, I actually keep this in my, my Bible I read in the mornings and I try to remind myself that I'm going for third place. And some of you are like, I, this isn't something you should really frame or anything. Third place isn't that great. It, it really is in God's kingdom. If I can think through going God first, everyone else second, I'm third, what I find is it's, it's pretty rewarding that way to think and do that. But if I pull out my first place ribbon for my day, it doesn't go well for me. I am not satisfied in life. There's always a wanting, there's always a need that's there. And I remind myself, and it really goes back to what Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceits. Now, other ways you could put it this way. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put aside yourselves and help of others. I, I find it's interesting on a practical level. You're gone where, you, you know, you, you want to be just as a, as a, guys, as a gentleman, open the door. I remember an elderly lady getting through a store and I opened the door for her and I let her through but then all of a sudden, I think a bus showed up, and like, then it was just like, everybody's coming through. Okay, go ahead. You know, I don't, I don't work here. What is going on here? And it was just kind of a reminder, like, yep, everybody else first. Go ahead. I'm not an only child at all. Come on, you know, just like, why not? Everybody, right? And it just doesn't remind us that there is something there that it, there's a check of our hearts. Because I find this, I don't know about you, humility is really tricky. It's really tricky. It, it, if you're not careful, you can come off, come off a little bit self-serving of, of your attempts to be humble, right? And religious people are great at it, but even us that don't want to be religious, but we want to really serve, it's tempting at times to kind of put ourselves in showing everybody that we're serving. Sometimes we can kind of be, you know, self-proclaimed martyrs. It's what they call humble brag. You've seen this before. I mean, people do this and, you know, they go like, look at me with the poor people, you know, in Mexico and I'm serving, right? What's the profile? Well, there's a need here. There's nothing wrong to talk about the cause. Nothing wrong to highlight what God is doing and these, the need and to promote the cause that's needed to do to help people. But who's in the center of that cause? See, it's so subtle, isn't it? And we have to be careful. And that our motives really, really matter to this. I, I've found this, that really humble people don't say they're humble. They just don't talk about it. And, and if, so if you think you, you know, the world's really counting on you, and, 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 you know, and God is too, you're missing the mark of humility. And this is what I found with humility. When I think I've learned that I'm humble enough, God just takes me in another round. How about you? You know, you just think, okay, I think I learned to be humble, Lord. <laughs> Lord, it's like, ah, I don't think you quite got it, buddy. There's just a little bit more. I think it's a lifelong process, but more and more, God's really purifying our heart. But let's encourage what Paul says here. What's the really practical thing to do? In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. And I've kind of played this out with the mask thing as things are lifted and some of us, you know, have been vaccinated. And, and so I, I can kind of take the approach like, I'm vaccinated, I'm good. You know, I can do what I want, where I want, do, you know, do all that. And then I realize like, oh, well, that's my me mentality can do that versus going, you know what, this is still, this is, it's, we're still in a pandemic here. There's still issues with that. And, and my other centeredness is how do people feel about that in my life? And I've got to have to learn that going, 
and, and so I've learned, like, you know, hey, if, if you want me to wear a mask, I'll, I'll wear a mask if that, is that helpful for you. And, and, and I say that all sincerity. If, if someone, for whatever reason, they, they need to me to wear that, it could be physical concerns or it could be just emotional concerns. See, we're, we should be caring for everybody that way, right? And if it's a comfortability thing, and I want people to feel safe. I want people so I can, I can pray with them and encourage them and everything. And so that's how I'm kind of navigating through it, being, being other-centered. Maybe for you, it, it might be conversations that you're having with people. It might be where a person's just unloading, right? They're just, oh, this is going on. And like, really, then that was it. You, you move on. Like, okay, well, it's just for them to do that. You didn't need to share anything about you. Even though they're like, they didn't ask about me. How, what, it should be two-way. Well, sometimes it doesn't have to be. It's just you being other-centered. It's you opening the door for others and opportunity. And I don't know about you. What I find is when I don't put me in the front, the front of it, it, life is a little bit more freeing. It's a little bit more going, well, that's kind of what I'm designed to do and called to do to serve. And I've got to be careful not to go, like, well, look at me. I'm so selfless. It's just there is some satisfaction I found that comes with it. It's subtle, isn't it? But he says, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Another great example of living out, being like, you know, being selfless is this, is that, is this. Ultimate selflessness is being willing to sacrifice it all for humanity. Ultimate selfishness, selflessness, sorry, is being willing to sacrifice for all of humanity. What, what happened with Jesus? It says this, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, the very moment there, there he's, he's being tortured, being going to be placed a sacrifice, he was taunted. He was saying, hey, if you are the guy, if you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, come down. Take yourself off the cross. The taunting of the soldiers were doing that. And the Bible says he was tempted in all ways that we've been tempted. He was probably tempted to do that. He was tempted. You're like, you're right. I am God. I'm going to blast all of you. He didn't do that. He knew what needed to be done. Be obedient to death on the cross. He knew it was going to be worth it, that serving this way was going to be worth it for all humanity. I think we can be reminded of that, that our sacrifices and our work and what we do, it is for the greater good. And yes, there's times that we have to go, I have to put my needs above others for that cause. Jesus modeled that. And what happened? What happened? It says this, Paul writes, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What happened here is that Jesus modeled the price of humility that led to his ultimate servanthood of sacrifice, what he did. But what happened after he rose from the dead, he was exalted to heaven sits on the right hand of the throne of God. One day there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue confess the authority they have because he was exalted that, to that highest place. It's also a model for us. Now one day we will not be exalted as God or as a God. That's another religion. What we will do, that there will be a reward. There will be a day that we'll experience what we do on this earth would really matter in our heart of servant. There is a promise as well. I love what James tells us this way. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift 
you up. Now be careful of that lifting up, like lifting up, like look at me, how great I am. No, he'll lift you up, meaning he'll, in, in the lowest place, where he'll encourage you to the place of, of a place of satisfaction. There'll, there'll, there'll be a moment going, oh Lord, that was worth it, what you've done, what you accomplish. There will be reward. But it won't be about us at all. I love what Jeannie Allen, it's a great book called Get Out of, Out of My Head. And her, I love this quote, she says that humility helps us let go of being awesome this pursuing like what we are and it's, again it's so subtle isn't it and it's so important in fact i would leave you with this thought the mentality finally is this of, of breaking the mean mentality is this if you are sincere our selflessness will spotlight jesus not ourselves if we are sincere our spot our selflessness will spotlight jesus not ourselves and i'll give you an example you might have related this maybe this a few years ago where I kind of helped mentor a person for, I put a lot of time mentoring a person, encouraging a person, and helping them. And, and, and along the lines, you know, there was kind of a gathering we were together and, and just, you know, this person was thanking different people for, you know, investing in them and helping them. And, and this person goes, but there's one person I really, really want to thank. Man, if there's anybody in this room that I really want to acknowledge. And I thought, well, here it goes. And I'm thinking, man, it's, I don't know if it was that great, but like, okay, I'll, I'll take it, you know, that's great, you know, and, 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 and then that person I really want to thank is over here, and my wife gra- grabbed my hand, and like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, and I really felt the Lord's going, yep, buddy, it, this is not, it is not about you whatsoever, right of that, right, what we're doing, but all oh, motives get Oh man, because there's just at times you just want you just want to know what makes a difference, and sometimes thank you is good. And I'm not saying we shouldn't thank each other, but that motive is there, so important. But let me ask you this: Do you want to be a star? You go, well, I don't not, not, now. You say it that way. Do you want to be a star? Uh, well, I'm not talking American Idol here. I'm talking the, this. Where, and it's very interesting humility because after Paul says, "Hey, you'll you know." Every knee shall bow and tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord exalted. This is what he says next. I find it fascinating. He says this, because of all that, do everything without grumbling or arguing so you become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then it says this, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And it almost, when I read that going, it just seems like, Paul, you're contradicting yourself. You said we should lower ourselves, you know, others should be more important, follow the model of Jesus and the mindset of Jesus, being a servant and all that. But look what it says. It says, it doesn't say star. It says stars. Now, have you gone out a clear night and you're camping, you're like, oh, hey, let's count the stars. I think there's billions. Is that true? There's billions of stars? I think there is. What is he telling you? You are one of many. You are, wanting, you are not the star. You are not to get the center. Jesus is the center star. He's the, he's the bright morning star. He is the one. You are among many, but you're, you can shine. The Bible says, you're, let your light shine before people that may see your good deeds and what? Not glorify you. Glorify our God in heaven. We are the light of the world. We're a reflection of that light. Many stars. I want to invite us that, that we're, we're, we can be that, but it's not about us. It's shining the glory of God and what he's done and what he's accomplished. I invite our team to come, and, and we are going to take a moment around communion. Wow, we're getting time flying here. It always is. And as we prepare for communion, I want to remind us that 
we're in it. I don't know what you're in this for or following Jesus, but it's not for credit. It's not for being published. It's not for being mentioned. It's no reward points. We don't do it for airline miles. We don't do it for a punch card, gold stars, or whatever it is. It comes back to the fact that in selflessness, we can experience true satisfaction with Jesus. If you're still living with the me first mentality, you'll never experience that. There always will be a desire for more. And the way to experience more of Jesus is to think less. Not less of yourselves. Just live and think selfless. It comes down to that. Let me, as we, as we go to communion, let me ask you this. Where do you need to let go of your me first mentality? Where do you, and I say where meaning, is it your workplace? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your family? Is it in your parenting? Some of you are caring for elderly parents. There's a lot of us in different seasons. Where can you lay, and I want to encourage this, that I'm not saying you don't have needs. We all have needs. It doesn't mean we don't bring those needs to the Lord. We, we read Philippians, if you read it this morning, closing it out in 419, it says, you know, it says that, that, that God will meet all your needs according to, your, to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Your needs will get met in the way God's gonna do that. But what do you need to let go of? What do you need to surrender to? And I, as we go into communion and reflect on the cross, what do you need to lay down at the foot of the cross to do that? In a moment here, you can go ahead, if you're here in the room, go ahead and open up your, your cracker and your, your juice here. And we're, we're going to eat and partake together just, just to have it ready as we do that. If you're online, hopefully you have something right in front of you that you can do this with. And uh, maybe you're on the road and you just grab a swig of coffee as you're listening to this. Because we're doing this together in this moment, but it can be a very personal moment that we go before Jesus and say, Jesus I'm sorry. I repent of my selfish me first mentality. I'm going to you and surrender to you. It's interesting when Jesus on that last supper, he was going to do the most selfless act that was ever needed to be accomplished, but it was worth it. He knew it'd be worth it. And he took the bread and the Bible says that he broke it. And that represented the brokenness of his body, the sacrifices made. I want to invite us to a place of brokenness a brokenness over our sin, a brokenness over our selfishness. Say, Jesus, I am sorry I've made it about me and not about you. And I invite, Lord, that you would change me and transform me. And that's what Jesus, he, he held up the bread. He knew what needed to be accomplished. His body be broken and beaten and put to death. And he said, in, in remembrance of him, that we would eat together today. Let's do that together. He continued on in the, that, that last supper with the disciples and he held up a cup and he said, this is a cup of the new covenant of my blood, a, a new agreement with mankind that his very blood would forgive man's sin. You know, there's been a lot of bloodshed over history, even this last week and the, just so much that happened in the Middle East again and we just watch all that's happening and, and, and you know, killings and streets this last year, all kinds of stuff. And I tell you, none of, it, none of it's gonna be enough bloodshed It's almost senseless compared to what needs to be done when Jesus did already and that his blood was shed for our sin. To break that selfishness and to cleanse us of our me first mentality. Will you drink this together in remembrance of that sacrifice? I just want to invite you to, as we close in prayer this morning, 
I want you to just listen to this one more time before we pray. Just listen to this. He, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What did God do? God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that it's above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus, we are so grateful for that accomplishment that already happened, Lord. Nothing more needs to be done to save our souls and to bring forgiveness that we need. But Lord, it's gonna take a lifetime for us to live it out to live out your selflessness that truly led to exaltation. And Lord, as we live out selflessness in the pathway of humility, Lord, and putting others above ourselves and reaching out and caring, Lord, may our example be not of us being the star, but be one of many, many stars that reflect who you are, the people turn toward you and what you've done. So, Lord, use us this week. But first, Lord, may we recognize the blessing that you are in our lives. That, that, Lord, you have blessed us so much in all that we've gone through this year. And, Lord, now as we see change happening, moving happening, may we not go back to the way we were. May we live as followers of Jesus selfless so that you, your very self, would be known to those around be impacted by you. And Lord, as we are blessed by you, Lord, we will be a blessing, we pray in Jesus' name.